Andrew Sorg and Eric Bond are longtime friends. They're also web developers who got started in North Idaho at Coldwater Creek, moved on to big cities, and, slowly but surely, grew to feel something was missing. And what was that something? Community, an accessible culture, clean air and water, and a wild backyard. This is the story of how two friends took separate paths that eventually wound right back to where they started. It's also a story of how there's no replacing nature's low-tech pleasures, even when you're working in a high-tech world. I'm Cameron Rasmussen, and this is your Wild Place. So I thought that we would uh, start things out. Since you're the new man in town, or the old man who's the new man I, in town. I uh, am. I definitely am. We, um, would, we would talk a little to Andrew Sorg. Uh, now, Andrew, can you tell a little bit about your background and how you first came to Sandpoint? And then we can talk about Eric's background as well. Uh, so sure. That. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to do that. My name is Andrew Sorg. My current position right now is a director of e-commerce for nanamax.com. That's N-A-N-A-M-A-C-S.com. I spell it. It's phonetic, but, you know, people don't know. Director. Uh, director. Nice director is really good. Uh, and a little bit of my background. Uh, I originally, not from the area. Um, I grew up in a very rural area of Montana. Went to school over in upstate New York, so we're not talking New York, New York, but it still uh, was a much more, uh, you know, East Coast, um, very liberal elite kind of area. Um, and I, I really enjoyed upstate New York. It had a, a nice little rural element to it, but had a lot of uh, things going on around it and a lot of um, uh, events that were really kind of good. Once I graduated, I really kind of just looked around about what I want to do with my life. I, I didn't I didn't have a background. My my the 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 degree I got from college was was in plant genetics. So nothing close to being anything on this end. I still laugh about that. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it is it is one of those things of where you know you when you graduate out. This was early. This was ninety nine two thousand, and this was still the dot com bubble had not burst. So it was mainly a case of if you had a pulse and a college degree, no matter what it was in, you got hired in any website or anything that was going on. Um, and, and at that point, the, the web was pretty new. So I eventually found myself, because of family, I found myself moving up to uh, the Pacific Northwest, specifically around Spokane, Washington, and then also up into North Idaho around here, where I quickly found a job um, working customer service, funny enough, for uh, a company known as Coldwater Creek. And I did that for about six months just because I needed to work. I needed to pay my, you know, my, pay my bills. And they pretty much said, oh, well, you have a degree um, and you are pretty smart. Would you like to work as an analyst for a website that just pretty much started? Like at that point, I'd have to say the Coldwater Creek dot com website was only two years old wow and it was very much as infancy so they brought me over to do just analytics just on 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 the the 
the, the website search functionality on the website and then also to be webmaster and to control another website they had that was primarily dealing with jewelry and things like this. And, that, and at this point, I never really planned. I, I really had a big idea of, I still was like wanting to go into my major. I was like, I want to go work for, you know, uh, at that point, Monsanto did not have that bad of a name. (laughs) So I was like, I'd work for Monsanto. I'd work for any of these seed companies out here. I had, not only did I, I, since I grew up in a rural area, I was was used to living on a farm and, and, and dealing with a lot of agriculture. And so I wanted to get back into that. But to be honest, it was like working on the web um, and working with e-commerce was just something that was, uh, for as much as I wanted to resist it, it was something that just kind of called to me and, and it just really kind of worked. And the uh, it was the psychology of working with things on the web and how people's shopping behaviors and things like this. I was able to like take my rural upbringing and even my agriculture background and apply it to websites because in many ways, um, websites, shopping behavior is nothing more than a biological entity. Well, people buy stuff that they want, that they have the feel, the need that they need to have. And in a lot of cases they do need to have it. Um, but there's, there's, uh, there's something down. It, 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 there's a lot of, um, you know, a, there's a commingling, uh, between them. And so I had a lot of fun finding where my background and my current job overlapped. And with that time, I pretty much worked with the company. I stayed, yeah, up here in Sandpoint, Idaho. I was worked for Coalter Creek. As soon as they moved me up as an analyst position, I worked there for 14 years. Not because I wanted to work at Coalter Creek for 14 years. I spent 14 years at Coalter Creek because I really fell in love with the ability of living in a beautiful town that's rural to some people, but is a big city to the place where I grew up. It has modern conveniences. It has a lot of culture. It has a lot of ideas going around. It has a very diverse group of people that live around here. And and the most important thing is I'm a big, because I grew up in a rural area, I'm big into going into nature, going into uh, going out that stuff. And I was able to, like, I was pretty much getting paid to live a life that I really wanted, that I could go out and I could, uh, I, I, like I was an hour, like out when I left work, I was half an hour away from driving up and being at the top of a mountain to go skiing, or I was half an hour away from getting to a trailhead and I could go on a two hour hike. That thing was incredibly appealing to me. So that really kept me around here for 14 years. Sadly, the company I worked for went bankrupt, I had to find a new job, and in a lot of people's positions out here, unless you find that 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 unicorn of a job that allows you to kind of live in this area, you just the the, the employment that's around here just isn't enough to actually sometimes survive in it. So I then was able to find a new job working for jjill.com over in Boston, Massachusetts. I then moved clear across the country and got into uh, kind of more, a much more East Coast, much more urban, more so than where I went to school and uh, started working there. And there's a lot of benefits that I really liked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston, as far as East Coast or even West Coast cities go, has a lot of access to you know going out into the ocean, 
Um, uh, Cape Cod is right there if you want to get to it and things like this. But instead of half an hour getting on a ski slope or half an hour getting onto a fantastic trailhead that I can go walking on, it was an hour and a half. And that was me dealing with traffic. And if the, the choices and things that of what I really enjoyed to do just just wasn't there. And, and the big thing is, is well, on standpoint, I'm really big into culture. I love um, getting up on stage and, and working with uh, any of the stuff that's here in town. I love, I, I, it's very accessible. I can go and talk to local artists that are around here, musicians, uh, other actors and stuff like this. And they're very approachable. Uh, and there in Boston, it, that accessibility just wasn't there. Um, or but just but you did have accessibility to terrible coffee, though. Terrible <laughs> coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is the other big thing. There is something about, and it isn't specific to Sandpoint, but West Coast knows coffee. In fact, yeah, West Coast knows coffee. East Coast has Dunkin' Donuts, and I, <laughs> I am not. I'm not a big fan of that. And you're um, probably not going to head out of the city and uh, have a chance of running into some mountain goats anytime soon. No, yeah. no mountain goats, yeah. nothing. You, get, you can get lobsters. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> there's plenty of lobsters uh, and, and, and plenty of traffic. But beyond that, it's like you really, like, it was funny. For as much as when I moved to Boston, I was had the idea in my mind that I'm like, um, everything that I had in standpoint when it came to culture, all that stuff, it would just be magnified. Cause it was like, there's so many more people there. So many more things going on. Of course, like there's gonna be all these things, this things happening. But in the end, it was like, for me to actually, things were got very clicky. It was a case for me to, to if I wanted to, to try for a play or something like this, I could try out, but if they didn't know me, they weren't gonna give me a role. Meanwhile, here in Sandpoint, it was like, yeah, do you have a pulse? All right, we'll, we'll put you up on stage. <laughs> Are you willing to do it? Um, yeah, can you, can you at least try? And then they'll do it. Um, there in Boston, it was very much case like, we have enough. The, the queues, the, there's, no, there's no need to get in line. Yeah. Um, the, all, all spots on this bus are taken up. So yeah, it's like yeah. you have to wait for somebody to die or, <laughs> or uh, just eventually wait for somebody to decide to leave the bus before you can get back on. Um, so I was there for five, six years, five, six years, when suddenly, as we all know, it's 2020, COVID hit. And at this point, I was really trying to find a job back in the Pacific Northwest. If I could get back to Sandpoint, that would have been great. But Sandpoint, once again, even though it has new businesses, it's, very, it's growing on a lot of its technology stuff that would kind of work for me. Um, I was still though, like, you know, if I have to go to Spokane, I can do it. If I go to Seattle, I can do it, but I needed to get out. I needed to get to the Pacific Northwest. I need to get West. Um, just cause the culture fit just fit me a whole lot better. So I was looking around at jobs, I was applying and then COVID hit and let's just say, you know, uh, like fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, <laughs> my, my world flipped upside down. Uh, and I, I was able to, one of the jobs I applied for back in January. Um, so they called me back and said, well, would you, would you, would you be willing to relocate? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'd, I want to live back in the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's always interesting when you do manage to, you know, be in the career that you want and do the things that you want to do and still be able to live out here. Um, and so uh, Eric has, in many ways, um, a kind of a parallel dynamic 
to you because this is correct. Uh, this is yes. this is very true. Yeah. I I and sometimes I could say Eric is following in my footsteps, but then suddenly I'm like going, nope, I'm totally following Eric's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I was fortunate to like to be able to get out first, and then you you were you know able to you know follow behind me, and then we kind of did this little switcheroo. It was a bit of a dance. Yeah. Um, but that well, yeah. you, you tell your story. Well, yeah, I, I can go into my side. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Andrew's, and I won't bore you with my, my pre-cold water days, but uh, I'm from Louisiana, and I, my entire life, always wanted to get the heck out of Louisiana because uh, it was just too hot and too many hurricanes. Um, but yeah, I, I when I had the first chance to get out, I actually, when I graduated college, I was going uh, in North Louisiana, I, I wanted to be a marketing guy. I got a business degree. I wanted. I got a minor in marketing. I moved to San Diego with like the last of my money to be a marketing dude. I wanted to do it and make it on the West Coast. I went to San Diego, didn't find anything, and I was competing with everyone else who was, you know, a lot more qualified than I was. But in a long story short, I ended up having the opportunity to work for a company in Seattle uh, as a Marketing coordinator. It was this not not salary. It was a wage, uh, part time uh, job, doing the marketing for the startup in mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. What, in what year was that? Two thousand and five. Okay. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Two thousand five. And it was for a year. And it was a crazy experience. It was, it was my first big job. I was making way much more money than I thought I should be making, and I was working. It was. Uh, it wasn't salary, like I said. And I, I didn't know how that worked taxes wise, <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, I guess I'm paying taxes. And then I got hit with my tax bill the next year and realized, whoa, <laughs> okay, yeah, I should have been saving this money. But it, it, that was a learning experience. But yeah, and then I I ended up moving back to Louisiana uh, because of a relationship I was in and got married and I got a job in Louisiana as a webmaster because. The company I worked for in Seattle needed me to do the website for them as part of the marketing gig I was doing. And I was like, okay, sure, I can learn how to do websites. I'm a marketing business major, but sure, I, I, I learned a little bit of HTML in my day. And basically, I had to become a master at it. And I would reverse engineer websites. Mm-hmm. I would literally take, like, Google, at the time, Google was one of my top websites. I would just basically look at their source code and take it all in and replicate it and like do my own side projects with it with CSS and HTML and JavaScript and through that I learned kind of really really fundamental basics of it but I convinced this uh, company in Baton Rouge that no I'm I work for a startup in Seattle of course I know (laughs) I can be a webmaster and so yeah I did that and I, I I did the, I started the whole fake it till you make it at that point, uh-huh. and uh, I worked for there for a year. Uh, I got married, and my wife at the time was working for Colorado Creek Retail, and was really really wanting to be a part of the I guess retail industry and not like working at a store, but actually uh, designing clothes or, or or sourcing clothes, and that's what. She ended up doing it colder. So she got a job colder, and we said, we can get the heck out of Louisiana. We said, yes. So we moved to San Juan, Idaho. 
I never thought I'd live in Idaho my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever does. No one no. ever does. Even, even for people like us, where we were we raised yeah. in Montana. I, and yeah. I, I thought Idaho was in the Midwest. Yeah. I know, that yeah. Was, you know, yeah that's, I was one of yeah. those people. <laughs> so I, I make fun of those people now, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we moved, moved up here, and I was actually not expecting to work because it was her job. And so I was going to open my my web company and do and create design and create websites in you know, freelance and had all these ideas and then I got a phone call from Colder Creek. <laughs> uh, old Chris Cornell called me up and asked me, Hey, I heard you do this and this and this and it was like a thirty minute interview. Next thing I know I got a job offer. <laughs> and I was making like just barely more than I was back in Louisiana. I said Okay, but actually, I started off as a, a contractor, and I would work these That's late right. nights uh, to help the web because the website was going through an overhaul, and so mm-hmm. uh, I got to work late nights, but make a lot of money. And actually, that ended up paying off my uh, car new at the time. That was really nice. But anyway, so I became full time and worked there for about five years. And before Coldwater actually went under, I mean, there were the undertones, and every year was like the, the, the numbers were worse and worse. I was going through a divorce, and I was just kind of done. And I said, I don't even like women's retail. My mom doesn't even like Coldwater Creek's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and a friend of mine that I had actually had worked with in those early days at Coldwater was working for a company in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. he said, I can get you a job out here. So... I kind of just rolled the dice and went all in on that. Did this big road trip. Actually, Andrew was part yep. of the road trip, funny mm. enough. And got a job at this company called Splunk in San Francisco. And they basically gave, hired me on a, a six-month uh, regulatory basis, really. They would like, we'll see how you do. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was very green still in mm-hmm. the world of web. And I convinced them, like, no, I got it. But <laughs> because I was doing that at Coldwater, but I learned a lot, let's just say that. Uh, but there was a lot I didn't know still. And I just learned and learned and learned and learned and learned and learned and just spent all my time that first six months just literally learning and taking these online courses and berating my coworkers with like questions. And did you mention, so one of our, you know, the people you worked with at Coldwater was working at Splunk. And so that was their kind of your in there with them, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I just I just I mentioned. Oh, that. you did that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. He like in the early days of Coldwater, he had, he had um, he left and went and did his whole adventure and started working for this company called Spunk. Anyway, so I was able to plug in and actually become really good at my job over the course of you know now it's been ten years. Like, yeah. I have been at Spunk now for ten years. Wow. And. Uh, but about five five years, or actually four and a half years into it, I mean, I was so yeah, I moved to San Francisco and I loved it. It's fantastic, you know, going from small town to big town. I met a lot of people. I had this like awesome friend group that I just kind of randomly came across, and coworkers are great. And then fast forward four and a half years, I re- I was realizing I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life changes, things happen, uh, girlfriends. Uh, moves uh, friends coming in and out of the scene and but the most the big the biggest point was i'm not in sandpoint yeah because mm-hmm. i would visit like three times a year and every time i'd come back i'm like oh i miss everything about sandpoint that's true and like andrew was saying he, he and i were really big into the theater scene here and we, we were very fortunate to like 
have the ability to to do a lot of stage and be a part of this like revival of theater in a small community like Sandpoint and we got to see it as a the new renaissance of it and then we both left um uh, Andrew stayed actually Andrew and I is uh you know moving and staying kind of you know yeah it was a weird yeah you like uh you were here in Sandpoint for how many years before you went and moved to San Francisco? Yeah, so I was, I was here for four and a half years yeah. in, in Sandpoint. Then I was in San Francisco for four and a half years. And, yeah, and so with, with the, the, the mounting prices of rent and yeah. home, home, like, and just the the amount of money it cost to live in San Francisco, yeah. it was just daunting. Like, yeah. I, I was like, I can live in San Francisco and make a pretty, pretty cool salary but I can't save any money. I I'm basically bound to, you know, these restrictions of like I can't live in the nice part of town, San Francisco, mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. I can't afford rent. You know, the rent is insane. And you 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 make great money in San Francisco, yeah, yet. But yet it all not goes enough. To, it goes to rent and food, yeah, uh, and you know entertainment. But you know, moving back, I realized that there's people here I love. There's a community here I love. There's this beauty, uh, the mountains, the water, mm-hmm. the hiking, like I said, the, uh, just the people really made it for me. And, and I realized I need to be back here. Uh, and the moment I moved back was when Andrew moved to Boston, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was well, one of my best friends in the world. We, we uh, should also preface, the reason probably why like, you probably even, even thought of coming back to Sandpoint in a lot of ways is the house you had from before, I was renting. So you yeah, had right, property right. in this town, which, yeah. and that's the other sad thing about it. We talk about cost of living, but Sandpoint, because it's a resort town, because it's one of these things, cost of living here is so much higher than it should be because mm-hmm. wages around here not that much don't, don't yeah don't, they don't follow that yeah and yet if you wanted to buy a house like you just can't do it because that because people from other places they retire here and they're thinking they're coming from san francisco they're coming from boston and they're going oh i'll spend half a million dollars on that little house on the lake there that's no problem for me meanwhile people over here could will struggle to maybe buy something for two hundred fifty, or just yeah, to have yeah. rent, or just to do rent. But, Which, yeah. of course, that's that's a whole other conversation yeah. right there. But there again, you have this example of why so many different people across so many different income levels make it a priority to be here. Yeah, because yeah, you can exactly. walk out your door, yeah. uh, and see some beautiful undeveloped mountains right there in which, front of you which in the end is like a salary to itself mm-hmm. like uh, being able to be like i'm healthier when i'm here mm-hmm. it's weird boston not that like it has a lot of people like i went to the gym constantly i ate good food but it once i was able to get here i suddenly am like i'm 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 my, my mental health is better physical health. well I, I would say the, the mental health part like yeah when, when i was in san francisco i mean that the last year i was there it was it was a very dark period because mm-hmm. I, I i realized why am i not happy why am i not happy and i kept asking myself i need to do something about this i need to do something about this and then i realized why i wasn't happy because I, I, I just didn't feel like i was home ever yeah. mm-hmm. and every time i come to san uh to sandpoint it was the opposite was I, I always felt home i always felt this is like this is where i was happy and so i was about and so and I, I can tell you the process of it. Like I ended up almost quitting my job. I, I basically had a had a situation where I was like, I'm going back to Sandpoint, and you can either fire me, 
let me go or you can let me work remote. And it was a bold move, uh, but I was willing to take it uh, because Coachava had just kind of been up and coming and they were kind of eager to ha- kind of have me on board. Um, and so I kind of used that actually as leverage. Thank you, Coachava. Um, <laughs> and uh, it worked out. It worked out really well. And I was able to move back. And actually, I was the first employee in Spunk's history that they ever allowed to work remote. Uh-huh. You were a COVID trailblazer there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, uh, it was actually really crazy because I was sure because the, the, the vice president of engineering was very adamant. He's like, no one works remote. No one will ever work remote. This is not how we do it. And but my manager, my manager's manager, fought hard to keep me on board because I was. In, I mean, I had been there for you know five years, and I had I was knee deep in a lot of projects that pretty vital. And I was like, I don't want to leave these projects, but I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I just mm-hmm. can't be in San Francisco. And again, it was kind of like exactly when I, when I when I started the company, they they put me on a probationary period where they said we'll give you six months, and how you perform is going to you know, determine. If we need you to move back, or we let you go, uh, or you, we keep it going. And it turns out I performed twice as good <laughs> when I'm not around coworkers because I'm, I'm way too social. Yeah. And so being yeah. away, from, so and that that's the double-edged sword of it all. Like I am a very social person, and being around coworkers, I got so much less done because mm-hmm. I'm talking, we're going to lunch, we're taking off early to get beer, you know. And at home, I don't have these distractions. I mean, we talk, you know, there's conversations on our, you know, Slack, which is a chat software, and, or email or whatever, and Zoom, actually. But I don't have to be distracted. I'm, I'm not being, you know, I'm not being pulled away from my desk. And so, well, now that I have a mm-hmm. 20-month-old, yep. yeah, yeah, that's still. <laughs> and there, there again, that's a pretty good transition into, you know, one of the things that we do at Scotch and Peaks, obviously, is you know, one of the things we're very concerned about is um, the preservation of wilderness mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And um, a major point that, that we're concerned about is that, okay, so we have all this area that's managed as wilderness here. Yeah. Uh, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be protected. And you, with a, a, a baby now, uh, mm-hmm. getting close to won't be much longer before two years old two now. years old mm-hmm. and um, you know we, we, we feel like it's for people like her that it's mm-hmm. important that we do what we can to protect no, this I, area around absolutely. us absolutely and, and, and one of the things is like, like I, I love so I'm funny enough I'm not that big of like a nature lover uh, I love being around it, but I I don't normally want to go on a hike. Yeah, well that's and so but I but I love every time I do I love it and I just that's why I love this area, and so I have all these friends that like pull me out of my my nerddom and get, <laughs> get me you know on a trail and that's one of like the main things I met my wife. Well, and, and she is she is like she is very adamant about getting out, getting getting hiking, and she yeah. gets me out of the house. Yeah, and she and we love the Scotchman. The the peak the Scotchman Peaks uh, uh, what what's what's not that wilderness wilderness yeah I was gonna say corporation but it's not called corporation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my that's my other job yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know we, uh, she, she, we really uh, love the fact that there's you know that and then there's the uh, we can edit this part but what's the name of the the, the area where they 
they just cleared out the Kaniksu, right? Or oh, yeah, Kaniksu Land Trust. Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we really love the, the Scotchman Peak Wilderness and the Kaniksu Land Trust for doing what they do to keep the area completely protected and beautiful mm-hmm. and allowing us as these locals to just enjoy the best parts of Sandpoint. Absolutely. So, yeah, with Kaniksu, you just got the Pine Street Woods, which is a beautiful exactly. area. Yeah. And then... To have, uh, beyond that, to have just the, the Scotland Peaks area, mm-hmm. which is completely undeveloped um, and uh, is, is managed as wilderness, like that's that's the one thing that you just can't really replace because once it's gone, it's gone. Oh. Essentially, what we're talking about here is that, you know, this is, this is an area with so much to offer. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a draw for a lot of people, um, which is great. Uh, in fact... You know, I'm I'm most aware of your guys' lives because we're all very good friends. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of people who have followed similar trajectories mm-hmm. where they could be like you guys did in the past in the big city, uh, working these jobs in web development and software development. But now they're they're here, whether they work for Coachava mm-hmm. or whether they work for outside companies like other people. And we're seeing that become more of a more and more of a thing in Sandpoint. Well, well, it's definitely a thing of it's like shared values. And I'm not like normally people think of shared values. They quickly go political. Yeah. And it's not that because, uh, okay, a lot of the other thing to add in my story, right before I left Sandpoint, I did one last ditch Hail Mary effort to try to be able to stay around here. I ran for public office. Right. And oh, I ran yeah. for a state representative. And to do so, I'd like I had to go all over every part of North Idaho here, and it is what we talked about: Kinnicksu Land Trust, um, Scotchman's Peak Wilderness, all of the state and federal land. Now there might be some debates on how to manage the land and what to do things, but every single one of them, if they are no matter where you are in the political spectrum, it is that part of our life out here that we all treasure. If that was to get endangered at all, every single one person around here, and and that's the thing, Sandpoint, you know, what's mainly known for is its radical, you know, political stuff. But I could talk to somebody, no matter how different they are from me on a political spectrum, we talk about nature, we talk about wilderness, we talk about, hey, you like to go huckleberry picking? There's a huckleberry patch that's right up, and like, we all get right in on that. Right. We have a very big shared value. I know there's some people that probably live around here that maybe aren't so much, but it is, it is definitely one of those cases that that that's what really knits a lot of not just Sandpoint, but all of North Idaho together. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's that, and it's hunting and it's fishing. Mm -hmm. And you know, these are people that, or these are, these are things that matter to people across all lines. And, and that's really, really a cool thing. Based on what you guys have seen, do you think that there's you know more of a demand or a desire for that? Do you think we'll be seeing more people oh, yeah. that that have worked in jobs that are, are traditionally Silicon Valley or uh, big city jobs uh, in the tech field? Do you think we'll be seeing more people coming out into places with wilderness, places with uh, protected landscapes? Yeah, well, I mean, case in point, especially right now, 
tons of my coworkers are very jealous of the fact that I live up in North Idaho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I've literally for the past five years, well, actually ten years, I, I always talk about it up here. And people thought I was crazy. You live in North Idaho. What's North, what, what North Idaho? What? It's just, it, what's in North Idaho? What, what's in Idaho in general? Potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. And that, that's all everybody knows. But now, you know, they've, they've seen pictures and, like, they, they know why I, I would go back for these week-long visits. And yeah. I've, I've, there's been a lot of, man, maybe he did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, like, one of the things that, it's in the same point, we kind of treasure is our, you know, immunity to the Californians, you know, and mm-hmm. other, you know, surrounding areas. But it's definitely sought after. I will tell you, people... Like literally, one of my coworkers today sent me a, a message. I haven't talked to this guy in like probably six months. He goes, "Hey, I found this really cool house in Sandpoint for sale <laughs> on, on Redfin." I'm like, "Oh yeah, come so, on over." So it looks like you're, you're gonna be my neighbor now. He goes, ah, "I don't know, maybe." And that's the thing. So many things have been changing over here. Like it, it's literally one of those things of where, um, for a rural area, I've never seen lived in a place where there's been so much change the development but for the most part i i can't think of anything offhand but all of the wilderness accessibility still exists Mm -hmm. like the population has grown in a lot of parts of north idaho um there's not only sandpoint but then south there like post falls and coeur d'alene that's that's uh close to the interstate there um it's almost doubled in size Mm -hmm. in the past uh 10 years and it, it, it still, though, continues to just be this, like, um, like kind of, like, jewel of wilderness with these beautiful lakes that's all around it. It, it hasn't lost that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really is – usually wait, though, for that one winter. Mm-hmm. You just need one yeah, bad no, winter, that, exactly and suddenly it. a bunch of people are gone because yeah. they're, not, they're not used to it. That's um, what tests people. And exactly. Then, uh, on the other end, if you survive the winter, you come out like a – grizzled old man with a long beard mm-hmm. and you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to live the wilderness yeah. life. Well, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then the other thing is, is what's one thing that everyone said when, when I left, when you left, you'll be back. Yeah. yeah no, like it is. Yeah, and they're, they're right. And it is because like you find that kind of tribe mm-hmm. that you want to be part of and it transcends so much stuff. And it's like, it's like, this is the place where people get and like, you have to be here to get it. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying that you can't get that in, in the city. It's just, there's something about being in the city where you are aware of how isolated you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a place like Sandpoint, you do have that sense that I'm really a part of a community. So there, I, I feel like we've covered a lot of groundwork here. Um, I think that uh, you guys just have such an interesting parallel story that I think we're going to see more of. Uh, in the years down the road, oh, especially yeah. I, as I totally hopefully, think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, mobile working becomes more of a thing. You know, who knows what the future holds? Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to mention before we sign off here? Anything about just the, the the place that we live in? No, I mean, I guess my biggest point, back to what I was saying earlier, like when you realize that that what you're doing in life, I guess career wise, mm-hmm. and where you are isn't making you happy. And you, you, you have to do something about it. And I, I, I fortunately was able to do something about it and move back to a place where I would have been happy. Either, yeah. Regardless of the outcome, I would have made myself happy again. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and better again by coming back here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about just finding that place that makes you happy 
and getting around people who make you happy. Yeah. And and that's what keeps you that that's what keeps you inside. Like, that's what keeps you good going. Like, go, like a career, a good career. You know, some people want a good career. Some people, you know, want to just live that life of big city. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, you can also do it in a small city. We have a lot of very successful people here in Sandpoint, but it's where you are, and, yeah. and that's what to me at least, and what I've learned, and being where you are, the happiest. That that's what's gonna kind of keep you going. And that is dovetailing into that though. It's like just like a good marriage, just like a good job, you need to live in a place that supports you. In like, I never thought in my mind uh, twenty years ago that I would have directed and produced plays and had a packed theater full of people looking at them. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I did it is because I had a community that supported my dream. And you you need to live in a place that's like that. If you live in a place that is full of, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you, you know, you're, you're rocking the boat, and it's something you really want to do, then then move. And if there's ever a time to do it, 2020 is it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. 2020 is the year to kind of shake that tree and mm-hmm. find that yeah well i feel like that is a motto that we can all live by as we look forward to 2021 and hopefully a calmer year hopefully a year of reconstruction uh and hopefully a year where we can still love the place that we live and get out in those wild places and 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 be able to uh have a little peace in our lives Thanks for listening to Your Wild Place, presented by Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. For more information about the Friends, visit our website, scotchmanpeaks.org. This episode was edited by Henry Jordan. The theme music was written and performed by Ben Olson and Katie Archer. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to Your Wild Place wherever you listen to podcasts.